brands, retail, content and design, brand activation, data, and technology, experiential marketing, the Brandemonium Podcast. Hi, this is Dan from Gwyn Sound coming to you from Brandemonium in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I'd like to welcome my next guest on the show today, Michael Stone, who is the co-founder and chairman of Beanstalk and author of The Power of Licensing, Harnessing Brand Equity. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan. Good to be here. We're glad you're here. Can you start off by maybe telling us something uh, we wouldn't find in your professional bio? So tell us a little bit about yourself that we wouldn't know. Which you wouldn't find in my professional bio. Well, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a trademark licensing executive, and I actually started my career. I just thought about this as I was walking down here towards the studio where you're doing this. Uh, I started my licensing career uh, in Cincinnati, basically. Really? Uh, yeah, I was part of a uh, licensing agency that got sold to the Taft Broadcasting Company, and I see the big Taft law firm sign right here below you. Yeah. Uh, and Taft, at the time, owned radio and television stations, big Ohio family, and they owned Hanna-Barbera, the yeah. cartoon oh. characters. I'm, the, the cartoon I'm of studio. that age that knows Hanna-Barbera yeah, intimately. Course. It's how I grew up on. Flo- yes. Flintstones, Yogi Bear, Jetson, Scooby-Doo, and oh, all the, lots all of the others. Yes. And so, uh, it's like classic that, rock for cartoons. Exactly. Yeah. At that time, uh, the early, early days of my licensing career, we handled the licensing of all of the Hanna-Barbera characters worldwide. Uh, And I was back and forth to Cincinnati probably twice a month from New York. Okay. So that's not my bio because <laughs> it goes back too far. Wonderful. New York. I, I assume from your accent you were from the deep south. I guess not. Exactly. Okay. Uh, the south side of Long Island is more <laughs> like it. Wonderful. And what was the most licensed Hanna-Barbera character? Oh, Flintstones by far. Flintstones uh, by far. Okay. Yeah. Led by, uh, led by Flintstones Vitamins, Miles Labs, and... Yeah. And uh, Cocoa Pebbles and Fruity Pebbles Cereals by General Mills. Those licenses still exist today and were first signed, I think, in about 1960, long before my time. Wow. (laughs) So now people say... And and by the way, I imagine that a lot of kids who eat Cocoa Pebbles and Fruity Pebbles and take Flintstones vitamins think that that's a cereal and a vitamin. Right. And they don't know... The Flintstones. Yes. Yeah. Well, they're missing out. They're missing out. <laughs> they say that was loosely based upon the Honeymooners. Is that uh, Well, I knew Joe fair? Barbera and Bill Hanna pretty well. Did you? Yeah. Okay. And uh, it was definitely loosely based on the Honeymooners. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of guys were they? They were fantastic guys. Joe was uh, the creative guy, and he could imitate any of the voices of any of the characters. And Bill was the production guy. He actually made sure the films got made. And this is many, many years ago at the uh, Emmys. They were given the Lifetime Achievement Award, and they had been partners for 50 years. And Bill stood up in front of the audience and said, uh, um, Joe, Joe Barbera stood up in front of the audience and said, Bill and I have been partners for 50 years, and we've only had one fight in that entire 50-year period. It was the first week we were in business together, and we haven't spoken since. <laughs> Beautiful. Hey, that's sometimes how the marriages work, right? That's right. <laughs> I mean, you gotta, everybody has a different way of getting there. So you're a co-founder of Beanstalk. Yes, as I am. Well. Yes. Um, what what brought you to to co-founding Beanstalk, and what kind of what was your story that led you to be able to do something like that? Well, as I said, I uh, I'm a recovering lawyer, uh, and practiced <laughs> trademark law for a couple of years early on in my career, 
and discovered that I actually didn't want to be a practicing lawyer. And I did a lot of trademark work for the National Football League uh, properties, which was the licensing arm, consumer products arm of uh, the NFL. So I sort of got a feel for licensing doing that and uh, met another young lawyer and we decided that we would take a crack at licensing. And we ended up at this agency that was acquired by Taft. Uh, And then when Taft started having debt issues, we left and we formed Beanstalk in 1993 uh, with a focus on representing corporate trademarks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our first two clients were uh, Coca-Cola and Harley-Davidson and that really got us started. Pretty iconic brands there. Yeah. What characteristics does a brand need to possess in order to be a strong candidate for licensing? Well, I think a brand needs to have a strong emotional attachment to consumers uh, of, you know, depending on a a large enough group of consumers. Coca-Cola appeals to a very broad group of consumers. Uh, Black & Decker appears, uh, appeals to a smaller group, but still a large group of consumers. Uh, So there's got to be that emotional attachment. And also the brand has to be a brand where uh, consumers would accept other related products with that brand name on it. There has to be a logical association between the brand and the products uh, that the brand is extending into. Now, that's not including the licensing that I would call decorative licensing. So when you buy a New York Yankees t-shirt, it's licensed and is decorated with that logo. When you buy a Fred Flintstones you know, T-shirt or cap or bed linens for your kid as decorations. Uh, so there's decorative licensing, which is just using logos and characters as decoration on a product. And then there's true brand extension licensing, which is basically what we do, uh, where there's such a strong association between the core product and the licensed product that the consumer really doesn't even know that the product is not coming from the brand itself. So when you purchase a Black & Decker toaster oven, Mm -hmm. uh, it's a licensed product, Mm -hmm. which Black & Decker is controlling and approving and and managing, Mm -hmm. but they're not making, they're not marketing it, they're not distributing it, a licensee is. Mm -hmm. But most consumers would just accept that as a Black & Decker product, Mm -hmm. as they should, because Black & Decker is overseeing it. Right, yeah. They're putting their name Uh, on it, as they say. So it sounds a little bit like the, the perfect candidate is a little bit art and a little bit science. Have you ever had a situation where you're like, man, and based upon years of experience, and I've, you've gotten really, really good at identifying who has the most potential. Yeah, I think, Have you been surprised? Like, wow, how did this either, this is blew me away on how good, or like, wow, it surprised me that didn't take off. There are things that, uh, you know, that have surprised me. Uh, A good example, not a client of ours, a good example, though, is Caterpillar. So Caterpillar makes earth-moving equipment, right? Most most consumers don't purchase Caterpillar equipment because they're... My father worked there his entire career, by the way. Oh, wow. 40 years. Really? Wow. Oh, good. So maybe you can add to this. (laughs) So most consumers don't buy, you know, macadam levelers and things like that uh, or big earth-moving equipment, which is what Caterpillar specializes in. And yet they've had a very, very successful licensing program, particularly in Europe, in apparel and footwear. And indeed, many consumers in Europe believe that Caterpillar is a fashion brand. They don't know of it as earth-moving equipment. 
That blows my mind. Yeah, that's see? A there you go. Right there, so that's yeah. an example of something that I thought, uh, it surprised me. You know, not yeah. a client of ours. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I thought would work, but didn't work, is, and I won't name the brand, but I, uh, there was a brand that was a real leader in the baby products category. And a really great uh, potential extension of that brand would have been into what I would call baby health and beauty products. So we're talking powders, creams, mm -hmm. you know, all the kinds of lotions that you use on a baby. Sure. Uh, it was a natural extension for that brand. It made a lot, a lot of sense. And what we discovered when we went, when we went fishing is that J&J &J owns that category. I mean, mm. owns it yeah. and controls it, mm. and nobody wants to compete with them. Mm. So it was, uh, this is a long time ago now, there's the internet and mm -hmm. selling online. Yeah. Uh, so there's more pathways, which is important and which what a lot of this conference is about. Sure. So that, that opportunity never panned out, and it should have. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Um, you've received multiple awards. Yeah, a lot of awards, right? Okay. Um, can you, is there one that jumps out as the one you're like most proud of? I'll tell life? you exactly the one okay. that I'm most proud of. We won an Innovation and Creativity Award from Procter & Gamble. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here in Cincinnati mm -hmm. and that was just a blow me away moment mm -hmm. when in front of all of the marketing agencies that work for P&G, must have been 200 people in the room, mm -hmm. Beanstalk was awarded the Creativity and Innovation Award by P&G. And to me, that just said so much about our agency and the work that we do. Wow. Uh, we do for P&G, actually. Yeah. Well, no matter when that was, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. That's a tall order. That Little League win was probably second for me. <laughs> Both very emotional. Very sure. emotional, yes. Yeah. How has the licensing game kind of changed in well, the last Well, it's years? changed so much. Uh, when I started out representing corporate brands, Licensing was really a bit of an afterthought. It was, you know, sort of a promotional tool. Yeah, let's get our name out there on a bunch of products, and that's nice. You know, you make a little bit of money. I mean, this is a marketing discipline where we actually pay our clients money. Mm -hmm. They don't pay us. Right. <laughs> uh, we share in that money, but, yeah. you know, it's, uh, we're paying them. Yeah. Um, so uh, not too many marketing disciplines can say that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it was, it was sort of an orphan. Uh, with not a, no seat at the marketing table. Mm -hmm. Today, I think, and there's been a long evolution over the past 25 years, today, I think smart marketing organizations, marketers, marketing professionals understand that licensing is a great tool to connect with consumers, engage with consumers, recruit new consumers, retain loyal consumers, and sort of be part of that sticky connection that brands want to have with their with their with consumers. Sure, uh, it's you know I, I like to say that in this highly digital age, uh, licensing is an analog marketing tool. Mm. Uh, been around a long time. Mm -hmm. Sort of what's old is new again. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think smart marketing organizations and brands are recognizing that with all of the paths they have available to them today to reach out to consumers and connect with consumers and bond with consumers and trying to figure out which path will work best for them, yeah. 
licensing is not being overlooked anymore mm -hmm. because uh, it's a it's a highly effective way to communicate a brand message, uh, and it's a highly effective way to drive purchase. Mm -hmm. I would think too that you know it's another opportunity to really drive scale and what appeared maybe at, at the beginning as an opportunity to make some extra money, there's another, another revenue stream, really it provides you with another opportunity to build your core brand, right? Yeah, I, you know, I, I like to tell any client that comes to talk to us that the money is the last thing you should think about. Yeah, you'll make some money, mm -hmm. uh, and that's nice. Mm -hmm. um, but really what this is about is driving sales of the brand and, uh, and, and supporting whatever the brand goal and objective is. So if a brand, take a brand like Energizer, okay? Energizer is sold in almost every store you can imagine, right? Batteries. Mm -hmm. uh, often they're sold in different aisles of the same store. You can mm -hmm. find it somewhere down an aisle somewhere and also over by the cash register. Mm -hmm. uh, but Energizer wants to, be known than more, wants to be known as more than just batteries. They want to be known as a power and light company. So how do they, how do they redefine themselves with consumers who are so aware of the brand as batteries? Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of different paths they can use to do that. Uh, and they can do it through social media, they can do it through with influencers, they can do it with pop-up stores and experiential uh, events and things like that. But they can also do it with licensing by getting their name out there on products that are not just batteries, mm -hmm. that are flashlights and camera accessories and uh, jump, you know, uh, jumper cables and, and, and things like that, mm -hmm. that sort of help to redefine the brand in consumers' minds. Mm -hmm. And that's how a brand can use licensing to affect some kind of change that they want. Another good example is um, Bailey's Creme Liqueur. Mm -hmm. So Bailey's was founded in the early to mid 1970s. Mm -hmm. It was developed as a drink primarily for women. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the product itself is consumed mostly in the evening uh, and generally at holiday times. So the brand wants to be consumed 365 days a yeah, year. Sure. And they also want to be consumed at other day parts, but people mm -hmm. aren't going to you know, be drinking yeah. creme liqueur yeah. all day long. I put so, it on my cereal. Right, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you look a little tired. I uh, that's, <laughs> that's not the first time so, I've heard you know, that. How do they do that? How do, yeah. they, how do they get consumers to engage with the brand 365 days a year uh, at other day parts? Well, how about Bailey's ice cream? How about Bailey's coffee creamer? How about Bailey's chocolates? Mm -hmm. Those products, all licensed, get consumers to engage with the brand at different times of the day and different parts of the year and hopefully drive them to the core product, Bailey's creme liqueur. Yeah. You know, uh, so that's how licensing yeah. can support brand objectives and communicate a brand message. Sure. You know, in, in our business, everyone's talking about messaging. How do we get the message yeah. out? Yeah. In our business, the product is the message. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, consumers are invited to participate with the brand by buying a product, mm -hmm. and they buy the product, and now they're participating with the brand. The, brand. the product itself is the message. So it's both a communications tool and a product purchasing tool. Wonderful. Last question. 
We're a music sound. We're a music and sound agency. We have okay. recording studios here in Cincinnati. Um, licensing music is this huge thing now. Licensing music didn't used is to a be huge back business. in the day. We don't do any of do you, that. Does you do you touch it? Are there parallels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are parallels because licensing music is about is about taking an intellectual property, a copyright, uh, and allowing somebody else to use it under certain circumstances and conditions. Yeah, uh, and that's what trademark licensing is too. It's about taking an intellectual property, in our case, a trademark, allowing somebody else to use it. On, their pro on a specific product for a specific period of time and for a specific use and paying a royalty, mm -hmm. which is the same as it is in music licensing. Yeah, perfect. Well, um, I think it's time for us to wrap up, but okay. uh, this has been wonderful. I could talk to you for hours. Well, thank you. I really appreciate your time. <laughs> Since we're in Cincinnati, yabba dabba do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and where are you going? Any any special Cincinnati restaurant that you're you're going to try oh, to hit before uh, you head, uh, head yeah, out? I'm not going to plug any restaurants, but I'm going. To, <laughs> I know I'm going to a restaurant I've been to before tonight, so I'm okay. looking forward to that. Enjoy. Okay. Thanks, thanks for being on the show. Thanks.